Isaiah chapter 48. Isaiah 48. I want you to think on this thought this morning. I want you to think on the sitting of the refiner. The sitting of the refiner. Isaiah 48 verse 10 says this. Behold. Now that, that word behold, it is, it's much more bold and attention grabbing than we can read it or say it. It means there's something about to follow that we must stop and take note of and give serious attention to, uh, that it's worth looking at and looking at carefully, not just hearing it, not just listening to it, uh, but letting it stop our heart in its place and take note of what God would be saying at this moment. So behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. You may be seated. Randy Bryson, lead us to the Lord, dear sir. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to Amen. As we, uh, as we look at the Word of God today, we, we've come to a place where the Bible speaks of the refining process. Uh, it speaks of uh, being in the fire and refined in the furnace of affliction. Isaiah is not the only place where this firing process takes place. It's not the only place in the Word of God where the Bible speaks of us as uh, being in the fires of affliction or in a refiner's finer as gold or as silver is in the hands of a silversmith. We find it in the book of Job. And all that happened to Job, now listen to me, I'm going to be quick this morning. This is all going to come uh, right, to, to, right to the pinnacle very quickly. In the book of Job, Job said, he said, He knows the way that I take, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. John 15 mentions the fact about branches that doesn't produce fruit, that they are cast where? Into a fire. And so the Bible over and over speaks of you and I as being that gold or that choice silver, um, that from time to time we are put in a furnace of affliction. Uh, we are in the hands of the silversmith or the goldsmith, and he, uh, and he allows the fire to be in our lives. Uh, just like that bush that Moses encountered, there was fire in the bush, but the bush was also in the fire. In fact, you couldn't distinguish where one began and where the other ended. In fact, I can't even, I don't even know from reading that text, was the fire in the bush or was the bush in the fire because the text indicates that it was both. And sometimes our lives are like that, that we are in the fires, uh, that uh, there's no doubt that a, a fire of affliction has, uh, that we have been placed in that fire of affliction. And you need to understand this morning that the reason that, that God brings us to these places in life is it all has to do with Christian maturity. It has to do with Christian maturity and, 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 uh, and, and the, the fact of our lives as disciples of Jesus being discipled uh, in, in His ways. See, I've told you before, let me remind you again, that God is a moving God. In the book of Genesis, we see that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. And then over in the book of Revelations, Jesus tells John, He said, write these things down. And He said, behold, I, I come how quickly. 
And so God's a moving God. And if you're a child of God, you need to understand God loves you so much He's not going to leave you where you're at. He's not going to let you stay where you're at. He is a God who is a moving God, and so He's going to move you along uh, from where you're at to where He wants you to be at. And so there are these times when the fires of affliction, when the fires of adversity, when the furnace of adversity uh, has just a grip on our lives. And the reason is, is because God is trying to mature us as believers. He's trying to mature us as a church at times. And He allows these fires to fall on us because God's a moving God and He will not leave us where we're at or where we would like to stay. He will not let us remain comfortable, but He will move us along. And in fact, if you're going to try to stay comfortable, then you're walking with the wrong God. Because He's not going to let you stay comfortable. You're going to have to get out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to get out of your level of living. Uh, you can only stay in that level for so long before God is going to bring fires of affliction, the furnace of affliction into your life so He can move you along. It's all about the maturing process. God is trying to make us more uh, like His Son Jesus in this firing trial uh, that we endure and that we face. Now, uh, you, you, let me say this, and now bear with me, and this is going to be, this, right, I mean, I'm, we're, we're going to, we're just going to lay it out there and say this. We live today in a church age where there is more spiritual immaturity among the people of God than there is spiritual maturity among the people of God. We've got people that's been walking with God for 20 and 30 and 40 years and they are the most spiritually immature people that has ever occupied the ranks of the church of Jesus Christ. I know I'm not talking to anybody here because I know this morning that you're just an absolute sold-out crowd, and I mean your heart is surrendered, and you're walking with God, and you're moving with God, and you're growing in the discipleship process, but I will let you know that many in the ranks of the church today are highly spiritually immature. How do you know that, preacher? I've got a friend of mine who pastors one of the most popular churches in the town that he pastors in. This morning there'll be 800 people in that church and tonight there'll only be 200 and Wednesday night there'll be about 150 people. Tell me that's not a mark of spiritual immaturity. I, today it seems as if that folks are walking around within the ranks of the church and they're just waiting on something to get mad about. They're just waiting on somebody to hurt my... In fact, it's almost a dare, Brother Randy, in our, in our churches today. It's almost a dare. I dare you to say something to hurt my feelings. I need an opportunity to rise up and to lash out in the flesh. Amen. One man told me one time, he said, Well, preacher, he just blew up. He said, Preacher, every man's got his breaking point. I understand that in the flesh, but in the spirit, every man ought not to have his breaking point. Every man ought to be tempered with grace and tempered with mercy. And he ought to be long-suffering, the fruits of the, the Spirit. And he ought to be, uh, he ought to be peaceful uh, in his dealings with mankind. Uh, but people just get upset over the smallest of things. Uh, people speak out without ever even thinking about what they're speaking out about. It doesn't take much for folks to lash out. In fact, I feel more comfortable dealing with uh, a lost individual working the drive through window at McDonald's than I do around many church people sometimes because I know she's going to be friendly with me 99.9% .9 of the time, but you get around some of God's people and there is some of the meanest folks I've ever been around that occupy the ranks of the church. Now you've got to be a little spiritually mature to take some of this. I'm going somewhere, I promise you that. But I'm just painting a picture for you of the church, our finances today. Why the, 
folks in the ranks of the church today that are just spiritually indebted, I mean, as financially indebted and, and financially careless as people out there in the world, that ought not to be within the ranks of the church. Within a spirit-filled, mature believer, we ought to have self-control over our matters of finances, but, there, but, 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 but believers in the ranks of the church today are as spiritually are as, as financially indebted uh, because they're spiritually immature as people out in the world. And so we could go on and on with this list. We, we, I've heard in my ministry, I've heard cussing from the front pew of a church one time. I've heard threats come from the, door, from the doors of the church. Uh, I, I'm just trying to paint a picture. Do you see we're spiritually immature today? Uh, we have not grown along with what's happened. Is this God sent our nation? Uh, we've had a hundred years of some of the best Bible preaching and Bible teaching that any generation has ever had. Somewhere along the way, we become content with just being fed with what the preacher gives, and we never eat on our own at home. And because of that, we have become starved and anemic as believers, and we have not moved along with God in the disciple-making, maturing process. And so when we're one of God's children, and that's the question this morning, are you one of God's child? Are you one of God's children? Have you been saved, genuinely saved and born again by His grace? Have you been born from above, as John chapter Three explains to us. But if you're one of his children, God lets fires of affliction and the furnace of affliction enter into our lives because he wants to move us and mature us. Now, let me say this. So the question is today, have you been suffering in the fires of affliction? Have you been suffering in a furnace or in a crucible that's in the hand of God? And if you have, then today you need to listen uh, to what the Word says. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 1 really quick. Go all the way over, bear, bear right. Turn a hard right way through the New Testament all the way over to the book of Hebrews. And you'll come out of Hebrews and you'll hit James. And when you hit James, stop at the stop sign and take one more right. And you'll be in 1 Peter chapter 1. Almost all the way over to the end of the Bible. First Peter chapter 1, verse 6, look what, look, what, look what Peter says. Now, understand where Peter's coming from. He is writing to afflicted Christians. And literally, now watch this. I, I'm going somewhere. Just stay, just stay with me. I know I'm kind of here and there, and I'm rounding about. And, uh, but I promise you this, we're going to put it all in a big pan and, uh, or a big pot, and we're just going to make, a, we're going to make some gumbo. How's that? It'll all come together at the end. Uh, and so, first, remember, Peter is writing to some afflicted Christians. I mean, they were in the fires of adversity. Their faith was being tested. I mean, the bad was being burned out of them, and God was finding out where they, what they really said they were. Literally, they were being burnt in the fires of the furnace. Literally, Nero, he would take believers during Peter's time when he's writing this, he would go out and he would find believers and have them arrested. And the history tells us that Nero had the most beautiful gardens uh, that had ever been created. And that in those gardens, he would have Christians tied to poles and covered in pitch and tar. And he would light them and burn them on fire to provide light for his gardens at nighttime. Literally, they were in the furnaces of affliction. And so here's what Peter says, chapter 1, verse 6. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perished, 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise, honor, and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So these believers in Peter's day, they were, their faith was being tried as in a furnace of fire. And Peter says that, uh, that it's uh, just for a season. Uh, he says that there's heaviness in these temptations through this firing process. And, and, but, but he also says it's more precious than gold that has been tried in that fire. So let's look just a moment, very quickly, about this firing process, this furnace process. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. Okay, well, I want you to understand this. So it's about the maturing process, but we also need to know that this, this furnace of affliction, uh, that the intensity of the fire that we experience, it, is so, it has to do with proportion, number one. It has to do with proportion. It has to do with the, it is proportion according to the circumstance of God's people. It has to do with where you're at in your Christian experience. It has to do with how long you've been where you're at. It has to do with how long you've been stuck in a rut. It has to do with how long you've been backing up. It has to do with how long you've been living away from God and doing nothing. And so the fire of affliction, the intensity of the fires that you're going to suffer has everything to do with your particular circumstance. Now, I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I know I'm where I need to be. And so maybe somebody here is just not facing any fires at all. Maybe you never have. Are you one of God's children? Because if you're one of God's children, God's going to move you along. Because what happens is, is we move up in our Christian walk and then we plateau. And it happens to all of us. And, and, and we stay right there. Now, however, you need to know that you don't plateau for long. From the plateau, you either begin to decline away from God or God puts you in the fires and you recognize what he's doing and you begin to climb again. But then we'll plateau again somewhere along the way. And so, number one, are you God's child? But number two, are you facing the fires of adversity? I mean, do you feel like you're in the purging process? So, do, you, do, you, do you feel like that your life has been put under the, uh, under the fire and it's by God because God's trying to move you? You've been in the same place for too long now and it's time to do something. And so, number one, the fire, is all, it's, it is proportionate. It's all about your unique circumstance. And, and, and if you are, have not faced this furnace of God's choosing, uh, and you are God's child, but you've not faced this furnace of God's choosing, and you're just ho-hum, you're just kind of plateaued, you're just moving along, then you need to wake up and listen this more what I'm about to say. The fires are going to fall on you. If you're one of God's children, I can promise you God is interested in you and maturing you and you being more like His Son Jesus. And when you're not doing that, there'll be adversity that'll come into your life because God is trying to move you along and to walk with Him. Now, you need to understand because it is proportionate to our present circumstances, sometimes the fires get hot. I mean, he'll crank up the heat and he'll crank up the heat just like that silversmith. Some silver needs more of the dross burn out of it. Uh, that's, that, that's the impurities. That's the thing that takes away from the silver uh, or that gold. It makes the gold impure. Sometimes the silversmith, or gold, he knows that it needs more heat because the heat that's being applied is not working. And so it gets hotter and it gets hotter. 
so God can move us along. It's, it's, it's proportionate. Of course, you need to know that the fire that it purifies. The things that keep us right where we're at on this plateau, God is, is burning them out of our lives and causing us to begin to move with Him and to walk with God. It, it purifies. But listen, it's also, you need to understand, the Bible teaches this in the book of uh, Psalms, or, or maybe over in the book of Proverbs. The Bible teaches us this, that the fire... Uh, that it is prepared for the gold. Now watch, watch just a minute. It's prepared for the gold. Number one, and, and even Isaiah said this, the Lord said, I have chosen you in the furnace of affliction. And, and so you need to understand that the Bible is, the Bible says it is prepared for what? For gold. Not wood. The fire's not prepared for wood. It's not prepared for hay. It's not prepared for stubble. But the, but the Bible says that the fire is prepared for gold. That's you. That's you. You're not junk in God's eyes. You're not wood. You're not hay. You're not stubble. But you're gold in God's eyes. Listen, you're valuable. That's why God would allow the, the fire to fall on you because God loves you so much and He sees so much potential in you and He sees so much useful, usefulness in you for God's kingdom and for God's glory. God's not going to let you remain God has prepared a fire for you because you are valuable in His sight. And that's why Peter says we ought to rejoice in this. Sure, the fire is awful. Sure, it hurts. Sure, it seems like we cry during this and He don't hear. Sure, it seems like we're in the storm and He's asleep in the helm of the boat. Sure, it seems like uh, we've begged, but heaven is silent. Well, how can that be, Pastor? It's just like that little baby back there, Matt and Ryan. And like, like my children, like your children was, you take them, you take them over to, when they're babies, that little, uh, whatever you bathe them in, whatever that thing's called, is <laughs> a sink around our house, I don't know, maybe, that's a, anyway, you take that little baby, and, and boy, Elizabeth, I mean, uh, she was really bad, she knew, and grubby, fake, you know, she knew when the washcloth was coming, and that child, she would fight being clean, cry, you know how your baby does. You go to wiping that head and wiping that face and, scratch and or putting that water on the body of a newborn little, and they'll cry and they'll fight, and I mean they'll just weep and they'll, they'll wail while you're in the cleaning process. Do you stop cleaning that baby just because they're crying? No, because you know it's just done out of love. And you know that when you get done that that baby's going to have that little glow and that new little baby smell. Boy, I wish that smelled. I wish they could bottle that stuff and it'd stick around for a while. But it's only there while they're a baby. But you know when you get done, they're going to glow and they're going to shine and they're just going to be so full of joy. And so you don't, you, don't, you don't stop because they cry. You don't stop because they're wailing. You don't stop because they're fighting against you. And turn Elizabeth, she'd throw that head back and forth just dodging that washcloth. But you keep doing it because you know the end result. And my friend, when God's put you in the fire, you can cry and you can wail. And it does not mean God is silent. It does not mean God is ignoring you. But it means God's in the process of maturing you because it's time to grow up. It's time to get off the milk. It's time to stop listening to the Word. And it's time to start living the Word that you've already heard and that you've already learned in your heart. It's all about the living that we do. Not just the showing up and letting things happen. And so, uh, so the Bible teaches us that it's prepared for gold. Don't forget, what, don't forget what Isaiah said. He chose you. God chose you for this. 
Man, I mean, he, he, searched, he, he searched the world over and he saw in you potential and he knows that you're able to be a, a moving disciple of Jesus Christ, an ever-growing disciple. And when he sees you put it in park, he doesn't want to stop right there, but he wants to move you along to bring Jesus out in your life, in every area of your life. And so, let me close with just a few statements right here. If I can just get somebody to come and play a hymn of invitation or be ready to do so. I'm just going to bring this to a close. You need to know, too, this. I read multiple articles about silversmith purging silver and gold of, of the impurities and, and just bringing out the best in these things. And by the way, listen to me. That is the purpose of the goldsmith, is to bring out the best in the gold. The purpose of the goldsmith in putting that gold in the fire is not to destroy that gold, but it's to bring out the best in that gold. And so I read, I read several articles that made note and made mention of the fact that the refiner, that he cannot put that gold in the flame, he cannot put that silver in the flame and walk away and leave it. I thought that maybe there was some device that they would, they would hang that, crucible on and let that crucible remain in the flame while the silversmith went and did other things or the goldsmith finished some of his other business. But no, I even saw pictures of that goldsmith with that silversmith sitting there. He's watching that gold. He's watching that silver. He's looking at it. And the note is made by the silversmith that he absolutely cannot leave that silver or that gold in the fire uh, and walk away. He has to have his eye on it continually because a little too hot and it'll destroy the gold. Not hot enough and the purpose will never be accomplished. And so that silversmith he has his eye in that crucible. He's watching the fire fall on that and his timing will be perfect when all said and done. Not enough heat and the gold will still be like it was before. Too much heat and it'll destroy it but just the right amount of heat at the right amount of time. And that gold comes forth the better. And so that's where I got this feeling that some of you are missing this entirely. Do I need to come back there and stand on your pew? Maybe you're just not, a God, well, maybe you're just not one of God's children. You've never had fire fall into your life. You've never been placed in a furnace of affliction. Because a sure sign you're one of God's is God's not going to leave you where you're at. And by the way, even the most spiritual that are here, we're not always moving with God. We're not always climbing the steps. We're not always riding the escalators going up. We too put it in park oftentimes. In fact, sometimes we put it in reverse and go backwards. And God's wanting us to move on and go forward and be more. More like His Son Jesus. And so, and, and so this... Uh, it's, uh, it's always a matter of perception. That silversmith, he's never going to take his eyes off of that gold. Now, let, let me say this. The Bible says this, and I say, say these three things when I close out. The Bible says this in the book of uh, Malachi. In the, the, the Lord says, I'm gonna, I'll sit as a refiner while I put you in the fire. And, and I got to thinking about that position of the the goldsmith or the silversmith or the Lord in, this, in that verse. He says, I'm going to sit. And I thought, now wait a minute. The picture that I saw 
was a picture of a goldsmith or silversmith. He was standing up and he was leaning over and he had that crucible stuck into the fire and the fire was falling on this gold or silver, trying to make it, uh, trying to bring out the best. That's why God does that is to bring out the, not to hurt you, but to bring out the best. I thought that picture is of him standing. Why does Malachi say, why does the Lord say, I'm going to sit as a refiner? Well, I, I looked up that word sit. In Hebrew, and literally, here's what it means, brother guy. It's a word that is only and exclusively used to refer to a king who's sitting on a throne. Every time that word is used, it's not referred to somebody sitting on a pew or sitting in a chair or sitting under an apple tree. But every time that word in Malachi is used, it's used to refer to a king that's on his throne. So listen to me. If the fires of adversity are falling on you, the fires, uh, the, the furnace of affliction is on you, you need to understand it's not because God has lost control of everything. It's not because the throne of God has been rattled in heaven. It's not because God doesn't care about you, but it entirely means that God is on his throne. He's got his hand on the thermostat and his eye on the thermometer, and he's watching the clock, and when he says enough is enough, he's done. When you're ready to move along, he'll be done. So, so that, that word sit, the sitting of the refiner, God's on his throne while he's doing this. And, 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 then, and then I could not help but notice that, that in Isaiah 48, again, that he says, I have chosen you for the furnace of afflictions. I've, I've chosen you. Literally, that word chosen means I've selected you. It's, this is not punishment. This is not judgment we're speaking of. But listen, you've been chosen and selected by God out of all the peoples in the world because God sees in you potential and God wants to use you and God wants to make you into a vessel that will move people for kingdom use and for kingdom glory. And so God come along and He picked you. He chose you. I was thinking about dating. You single people, you need to especially single ladies, you need to listen when we think about being selected here, we, we, got these, we got messed up ideals about dating. I'm always going to give you a sermon within a sermon. Um, we, we want to find somebody that we can live with for the rest of our lives. That's what, that's what most people are looking for. And that's messed up. You ought, to, you, ought to be, you ought to be looking for somebody that you can't live without. That's what you ought to be looking for. Not, not looking for somebody you can live with for the rest of your life but looking for somebody that you just can't live without for the rest of your life. But, but what happens is, is we become desperate, and particularly you young ladies, we become desperate to have a man, and when you become desperate to have a man, you become a beggar instead of a chooser. That's what happens. You become a beggar instead of a chooser. And when that happens, then, then dating... In, now, here's where... We're, when that happens, then dating, dating becomes about being selected rather than selecting. But as a child of God, you ought to be not begging, but you ought to be doing the choosing. You ought to be doing the selecting. As God said, aren't you glad God selected you for this furnace? 
God selected you to move you along. God chose you. God picked you. It could have been somebody down the road. It could have been somebody across the state. It could have been somebody on another planet. On another planet. There's nobody on other planets. Don't leave here and tell that. We're it right here. I don't believe in UFOs and little green men. I'm just going to tell you. Uh, but listen, it could have been somebody on another continent. No, God chose you. You're in this furnace because God in heaven looked from his throne and he said, I'm, I'm selecting him. I'm selecting her. Now let the fires of adversity fall. Let the, let the crucible begin because I want to move that man. I want to move that boy, that girl, or that one. I want to move them from where they're at to where I know they should be and could be and where I want them to be. And then, I, and I am closing with this. Listen. Now watch. If, you, if you've been with me, if you've been with me, listen to this. So God is interested in bringing out the best. We, we've, I'm going to say this. I really think we've kind of got this wrong view of God, particularly in Baptist circles. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. You listen very carefully. Go back and listen to it on the Internet. Listen to it on tape, CD, whatever. I, you know, we have, and even my wreck, we have so emphasized the justice and judgment of God that we've almost done away with the mercy and the grace of God. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not being permissive about sin. I believe the Bible says what it says. It means what it says. I believe all of that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that kind. I'm not talking about the cross and the blood. I'm not talking about all that. But I just happen to believe that God's very gracious to you and I. God's more merciful to us than we realize or we'd be dead and in hell. And in fact, the evidence that we don't really believe in God's grace and God's mercy like we ought to is the fact that we are so self-righteous at times, we'll cast a stone, buddy, at the drop of a hat for somebody else. And when we ourselves, the sin in our hearts worse than their sin, and God ought to kill us before he kills them. But I believe in a God who's so merciful and so gracious and so long-suffering. Thank God, not permissive, but He's long-suffering. I so believe in that God. and We don't emphasize that enough. But watch this, watch. So what I'm saying, God's, God's trying to bring out the best and the good in you. He's not trying to harm you. He's not trying to kill you. He's not trying to destroy you. God's hand of wrath is not raised and ready to execute. God's hand of grace is raised, and He's ready to give that grace. Hebrews 4, we looked at it the other night, come, come boldly into the throne of grace that you could have help and mercy in your time of need. That's what God wants to do, really. Is there a mom or a dad in here who's just watching his or her child today, and you're just saying in your heart, mess up, screw up. Man, I mean, just blow it because I'm ready to, be, I'm ready to wear you out. Do it. I know you're going to do it. No. No, but every mom and dad in here is looking at your child. You want to see them do good, do right. You want to see them grow. You want to see them come along. You want to see them move along. You want to see them mature. And you want to love them. And, and you're just looking for ways to do it. Not to harm them, but to do them good. That's the God we serve. But now watch this. If you're with me thus far, listen up, listen. Somebody here. Buddy, I mean, there's been afflictions in your life. I'm talking about in recent days. I mean, you've been in the crucible, the furnace. You've been in the furnace of affliction. God's trying to bring out good in you, not punish you. He's trying to bring out good. Revelation chapter four. 
picture of 24 elders. Twelve represent the disciples, those old saints. Days gone by, twelve is a picture of the church, or the twelve tribes, uh, saints of the Old Testament. Twelve disciples, picture of the church. And those twelve, or those twenty-four elders, they do this in Revelation chapter 4. Around the throne of God. The Bible says they take their crowns, they've got crowns, they take their crowns and they throw those, they lay those crowns at the foot of the throne. Now, hold on just a minute. I know we can go to Burger King and we buy those little crowns they give out in the kids' meals and we wrap them in aluminum foil for a... Uh, for the nativity and for our Christmas, we'll put aluminum, they'll get all, they're real shiny. That, that's not what those crowns were made of. Uh, we're, we're not talking about tin crowns. We're not even talking about crowns made out of silver. Not made out of titanium. Not made out of sterling silver. We're talking about crowns that are made out of gold. What kind of gold do you mold a crown out of? The finest gold. The best gold. The purest gold. Why? Because those crowns are going to be laid at the feet of a king. The king of kings and the lord of lords. Hang on, you're not following me yet. And so why would it be that God's letting afflictions fall on? Why would it be that God stuck us in a fire? Why would it be that God is trying to move us from where we're at to where He wants us to be and He's not going to leave us behind, but He's going to carry us along because He's a mover? Why is God doing that? Because He's trying to bring out the best in you. He's trying to bring out the choices of gold. Why? Because your life is being woven to make a crown that one day you'll lay at the feet of a king. That's why God's doing that. So now we're asked to do something spiritual. Don't ask us to do that, preacher. According to 1 Peter, Peter says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. The natural man says, God, I hate this. God, it hurts. God, I'm uncomfortable. I don't understand. Stop it. Pull me out of the fire. But the spiritual man is supposed to look at it and say, thank you, Lord. You chose me. You selected me. You picked me. You're interested in moving me. You're interested in bringing out the best in me. You're interested in gold for my life because one day the gold in my life will make a crown and I'll be able to lay at your feet of the purest of gold. Of the purest of gold. So today I'd ask you to do this. We're going to do this and let the spirit inside you swell up. But I'll ask you to stand, and when you stand, I'm going to ask you to come today and say, Lord, yes, I've been in the crucible. Yes, I've been in the furnace of fire. Yes, you're trying to move me and mature me. That's why I have experienced, that's why I've suffered the way I've been suffering. Yes, Lord, I realize that your eye is constantly on me. Yes, I realize that you're on your throne while I'm in this process. And yes, Lord, I'd rather bypass this part of my experience. Yes, Lord, I'd rather just wear the crown and pass the cross. But Lord, for now, I'll stand in this fire. 
And today, I'm going to let your spirit in me swell up and say I'm going to count it joy today because you chose me, you selected me, you're moving me, you're maturing me so that one day I'll have something made of the purest material to lay at your feet and worship you for all of eternity. Stand and you ought to already move. Elizabeth, if you got something, to sing, sing. You move, come. I want to, to know you, him better. And I want to walk closer. I want to learn about the heart that was broken for me. It may require suffering, but I am willing for the darker the valley, the more clearly I see. There will come sweet things out of dark. Preacher, I've been suffering some afflictions. Been suffering some struggles. I've been in the fire. Preacher, I've been in the same place for too long. It's time I step up mature as a believer. God's been putting fire in my life. And my love will be deeper out of dark lonely places come sweet things from Amen. Come. Very quickly, mind the Lord. If I am broken, these words will be spoken. Precious words I may never yes. have had the privilege to hear. I brought you to this dark I valley just to show you my glory. Oh, how sweet oh, is the darkness yes. when the Father is Sweet things from here.